0: All right, it's time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer on this Thursday morning. Good morning, and happy late birthday, Vaughn.
1: Hi, good morning, Simi, and thank you for the good wishes.
0: That was clever of you yesterday, neglecting to mention that it was your birthday.
1: Well, I've uh, spent uh, 30, almost 40 years covering the provincial government, and I've learned how to withhold information, so there (laughs) you go.
0: You know what? That's a good answer. That's a really But you know what? You're out of luck because I've now marked it on my calendar. So nice. I will know going forward May well, 26th. Mike, your Mike Smith
1: and I share a yes. date, but I assure you not an age. I think he's about half as old as I am. <laughs> I think he'd
0: probably dispute that. Well, I hope you had a lovely birthday. I did. I let's did. let's talk about what's going on out there. We're going to get some important discussions happening today at 2, aren't we?
1: Yeah, the rollout today is very important, and I've already been getting emails on this. I expect you have as well. So Dr. Bonnie Henry hinted or indicated the other day, Richard Zussman reported it, that uh, they're going to reduce the interval uh, between first and second doses. Uh, they're cutting it, well, at one point it was 16 weeks. So we are cutting it down to seven weeks. So that's a big shift. Um, I've I heard one anecdotal report yesterday from someone who is in a high risk group, and she said she got an email yesterday saying um, uh, you're going to be getting a date very soon, probably as early as next week. So that would be seven weeks uh, down to seven weeks. So that's good news. I have heard from people who said, "Well, when do I hear um, the word?" I get is if you are registered for already, so you've had a first dose and you're registered. Don't call them. They will call you. You'll get a date based on calculation of risk. So your age, the older you are, the more likely you are to get an early date. And the other thing is the, um, the people who are classified as high risk because of a medical condition. So we'll hear all this today, and I believe the website will be revised and up and running for second doses tomorrow. But that, as I understand it, is where we're headed.
0: Okay, that's a very significant shift. Uh but you know what, we're seeing a lot of progress being made here already. Like you can just tell like with the case numbers coming down.
1: Yeah, and it is a significant shift. So if you go back to February when BC led the way in increasing the interval between first and second doses. The rationale at the time, it was explained to us then was limited supplies of vaccine and even though the province was careful not to blame ottawa for that that was the reason the canadian government had not done as well as i think people expected and hoped to line up vaccine supplies uh, there were problems well now uh, we're getting supplies uh, Thanks to Canada, thanks to Pfizer, the supplies are coming in finally and they're coming in at a good level. Canada is doing very, very well in vaccination rates now and we don't have the resistance and the hesitation that they do south of the border. So things have changed. And B.C. is taking advantage of that. They're now Reducing that interval, as I said, it was well, what 16 weeks, 13 weeks, 12 weeks is now being cut down to seven, is the goal, and as a result, we're we're going to be vaccinating sooner. It's a good thing because, as you know, we've had some early warning signs that this new variant, the B one six one seven point two variant, which is already in the UK, there's a few cases here you really need second doses to be protected from it. So we don't have a lot of cases here yet, but we might end up with a lot of cases. It's expanding fairly quickly in Ontario. And as a result, you need the second dose to be fully protected against that. The difference, uh, the the first study says, is with two doses of Pfizer, 88% protection against this new variant. With only one dose, 33% protection. So it makes a big difference to get that second dose.
0: So, if we really want things to continue then the way they have and they're worried about the variant, then that's really necessary for them to do this.
1: Yeah, it is very necessary. And fortunately, as I say, uh, Canada has come through finally on uh, vaccine deliveries and we're in much better shape. So, that's good news. Um, Dr. Henry said the other day, you know, when she was asked about this, she said the rollout for the restart in BC is not driven by dates. It's driven by data. And if the data changes, be prepared for the dates to change. So she's put us on notice that you know, these numbers, these dates that everyone's looking at, um, there may be a risk there if the data changes. That's the way I would like to think our vaccine rollout is based. It's not based on political targets. It's based on the data. And if the data changes, we change our targets. But, uh, yeah, no, I think today's uh, news is good news. And I also think, as I said, I've been hearing from people, when do I find out? I believe people will start getting emails If they haven't already gotten them, they will get them soon, but if the government doesn't contact you, if you don't hear a new date, they're saying don't call, the date will be based on your risk, their calculation of your risk, not on uh, whether or not the seven weeks has expired for you.
0: Could they do that by location then? Like if they say, you know what, these areas of like, say, Fraser Health, where we had some problems, perhaps will shorten their length of time.
1: That's a good question. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know either whether or not they'll be addressing different um uh, work categories,
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, healthcare
1: workers and so forth. So some of that, uh, w- those will be questions I think that'll get asked today. Uh, we our preliminary understanding of what's happening is really based on hints. It isn't based on a lot of specifics yet.
0: All right, Then more to come on that. That's two o'clock this afternoon. Uh, let's get an update on Site C. We ah. haven't talked about that in a long time.
1: Yeah. No. Well, you may remember that three months ago, when John Horgan announced that they were going to finish building site c he gave us two numbers one was a new completion date 2025 instead of 2024 and the other was a cost estimate 16 billion dollars so you may have thought that was the last you've heard of uh, the completion date and a cost estimate for Site C, although if you've been following the story as long as I have, you you know yeah. that neither of those numbers was bankable. Um, last week, the Energy Minister, Bruce Ralston, uh, was up defending his budget in the legislature, and the Greens got onto his case and the Liberals and said, um, How firm are these numbers? <laughs> well... The answer from the minister was, uh, there are no absolute guarantees. It wouldn't be prudent to give you firm numbers for either the completion date or the budget. So um, those are still up in the air. BC Hydro is still working on the the real, actual, final numbers. The minister says he's confident that, you know, we're close on $16 billion and 2025 for a completion date, but... No, um, he's not prepared to stand behind him because, quote, it wouldn't be prudent.
0: Oh, really? Interesting. (laughs) No, I mean,
1: he said the project's half built, uh, you know, $8 billion or whatever it is spent already. Um, You know, the river's being dammed. uh, Well, they haven't started the dam yet, but the river is going to be dammed and all that. And the river's been diverted. And, and everything, and, um, hmm, well, you know, it wouldn't be prudent. That's not quite my definition of prudent, $8 billion spent, but there you go.
0: What is the point of having a budget if apparently <laughs> nothing is prudent to write yeah, this well, down and try to figure hey, out the amount?
1: The best question came from the Greens, and the Greens are in a strong position on this, because the Liberals, of course, supported Sightsee as well, and they still think it's great that we're finishing it, but the Greens are opposed. So Adam Olson of the Greens asks the minister, he asks him twice, is there any budget number that the new democrats won't accept like if hydro comes <laughs> back and says blah right. blah blah is right. there any number that's unacceptable and the minister ducked the question twice so i would say let's brace ourselves on this one i don't think we're done with uh, site c and you know for somebody who writes about it that means i have an endless <laughs> supply of material stretching over the horizon but uh, it's not very encouraging for either ratepayers or taxpayers.
0: Uh, no, and that's like that's disturbing. And if you were the people working on the project, what incentive is there for you to make sure you're, you are keeping costs under control?
1: Well, the government's in negotiations with the main civil works contractor on the project. That came up as well. So this is the company that's doing the biggest work, and they've been at the site for the longest time, getting the site ready and all that and clearing the banks um the minister said i can't really tell you where that contract is going because it might give away bc hydro's bargaining position so that contract has already gone a billion Uh dollars just that one contract has already gone a billion dollars over the original budget figure and they're still negotiating a final fixed price on that one so again um, there's another area of uncertainty the New Democrats increased the budget from ten point seven billion to sixteen billion. So they added five point three billion dollars to the budget when they announced they were gonna a second right. time they were gonna build it in February. Uh, Greens tried to find out well what's the breakdown on that? Uh, no, nope, don't know. Haven't figured yeah. it out yet. <laughs> oh boy.
0: Always something for us to talk about. Yeah. Vaughn, thank you.